Welcome, Bouncer Backers, to this week's episode of Bouncing Back Stronger, the podcast where we explore the incredible power of resilience, personal growth, and triumph over adversity. I'm your host, Sarah Jane Vasquez, and I'm thrilled to embark on this transformative journey with you. Whether you're seeking inspiration, guidance, or simply reminded that you're not alone on your journey, Bouncing Back Stronger is here to support and empower you. We believe that every setback is an opportunity for a comeback, and every challenge is a chance for growth. Let's go. Welcome back to another episode of Bouncing Back Stronger. In today's episode, we have a conversation with Tali Israeli, a body positive personal trainer and healthy mindset coach. We delve into her personal journey, unearthing her own experiences and challenges. Tally candidly shares her past struggles, including an unhealthy relationship with food that led her down the path of becoming orthorexic. She opens up about grappling with a distorted body image that significantly impacted her well-being. Tally's transparency sheds light on the complexities many face when it comes to body image and food relationships. Her story serves as a powerful reminder of the importance of fostering a positive mindset and a healthy approach to self-care. So join us now as we listen to Tally, her healing, her growth and her transformation. Hello, Tally, and welcome to the Bouncing Back Stronger podcast. You are a body positive personal trainer. I like it. And a healthy mindset coach over there in the US. Yes. Tally, where did it all start for you? Where did, where did you start and how did you get to this point of where you are now? Well, it's funny. If I thought about where I started, I probably started with all of my own struggles. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can yeah. go into some of that because I'm sure that some of those inspired you, didn't they? Or at least made you more aware of perhaps what other women could be going through. Yeah, for sure. But in terms of career, so I had a totally different career for 15 years and was a personal trainer on the side after I'd gotten into kind of exercising of my own. I was not the kind of person that exercised and was into fitness in high school and as a kid and in college even. I did not start exercising until 2009, until I was in my late 20s. And then I really got into it and I decided to do it on the side of my career. And then when things got, you know, bad with my career and, I, you know, I lost my job in 2020, right before the pandemic. Okay. And when I started to look for a new job and things weren't working out and I didn't really want to do that anymore, it kept, was one toxic, like environment after another that I was going to put myself back into. I started realizing that that's not what I wanted for my life. And I had had so much time as we all did during the pandemic, but also without a job to actually for the first time in my adult life to take care of myself and to take care of my own health and to kind of have time for me. I think that was the same for a lot of people, wasn't it? With the the pandemic, people actually took a step back and really reflected on what it is they truly wanted in their lives and looking at making changes in, in the best way. I think I read a report only the other day about that it's just in the UK, at least, um, the statistics for people leaving jobs 
or yeah, you know, um, leaving their own jobs has actually now started to decrease. Whereas just after the pandemic here in the UK, it was really high because people had decided to move on to something different, something that they were going to enjoy. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was, I had, so I have a chronic illness, I have endometriosis and it took, I was in a work environment where I was working 12, 16, sometimes 18 hour days and I couldn't go to doctor's appointments and I couldn't make time for myself and my stress level, my cortisol level, my nervous system, everything was all out of whack and I never took time. And so to first have that time for myself and actually pay attention to my illness and manage it for the first time and do all those things for myself, all of a sudden I started to see how my health changed for the better for the first time. And so when I wanted to switch careers, I not only continued with being a personal trainer, but I wanted to add in that holistic approach. And so I went to an integrative, an institute for integrative nutrition and added the nutrition approach, but also the whole body approach and really kind of looking at it from not just diet and exercise, but from everything that we do with our bodies. And that includes everything we do with our minds. Yeah, I completely agree. Just before we go into that side of things, Tally, endometriosis for our listeners who aren't aware of it. Could you just just explain that a little bit to us? Yeah, it's an it's it's a they call it a more hormonal disease, but it's really actually an autoimmune disease that more and more people are starting to think of it that way. It affects one in ten women in the world, and it's when your endometrial tissue starts to grow outside of your uterus and it grows on many organs, your bladder, your intestines, your diaphragm, your nerves. And so it's more than just a bad period. It's more than just pain during or in between your periods. It's in, it's impacted almost every single system, circulatory system, nervous system, muscular system, right? You know, every single, your digestive system, system in my body and not a lot of doctors really know or have studied this. And so it takes about on average seven to 10 years for women to be diagnosed with illness. I've never, I've never suffered with that myself, but I've heard that it's around the same for here in the UK. Unfortunately. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, you know, generally when I've heard of it, I, and I'm sure like many others, think that it just affects the stomach area, the bowel area, you know, not other organs in the body and also, you know, your kind of emotional health as well. Oh yeah, for sure. It definitely affects your mental health. It's very isolating. There's a lot of fatigue that comes with it, a lot of pain. It's a they call it the invisible illness because you can't really see that it's happening. It causes a lot of inflammation. There's scar tissue happening, a lot of things that are happening inside your body. It causes a lot of digestive issues. You have a lot of food sensitivities. It causes insane chronic fatigue. There's a lot of issues where your quality of life is diminished and therefore your social life is diminished. Your work life is diminished. The things you can do are diminished. Your relationships are hit pretty hard. And so then your mental health starts to take a pretty big toll. So when you were finally diagnosed, what's the treatment? There's excision surgery. There's ablation surgery, which I don't recommend and is not the recommended. The excision surgery is going to be the end all be all. There's other hormonal injections and pills, but there's no cure. There's a lot of treatments that make things worse, have other worse side effects that a lot of women don't 
prefer to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, the excision surgery, also you, many women have numerous surgeries over their lifetime. And this surgery also takes a toll on your body as well. Mm, yeah, I can imagine. And are you in a place now where it's controlled? It's managed right now. I still have some symptoms here and there, but I've worked with a coach of my own, an endometriosis coach of my own, that has helped me manage it from a holistic approach, which I think a lot of people who have it and who work on that level believe that that's pretty much the the way to work through it. So it's your diet, it's your nutrition, it's your exercise, and of course, working on your mindset as well. Because I find that in women's health, those three are fundamental, physical, emotional, and your mental health. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, it's your nervous system, it's your stress levels, it's your inflammation, it's your, like you said, it's your food, it's your digestive system, it's all these things. I mean, there's so much that goes into our bodies that most people don't even realize. And so just even taking a few minutes a day to take a few deep breaths can really change a lot of things in the way our bodies and our mind work. Yeah, absolutely. I'm such a believer of breath work, you know, just kind of relaxing or calming that parasympathetic nervous system down, taking that little Mm -hmm. bit of time out. And also, you know, you don't have to sit and say meditate for 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. You could add or 50 minutes or however long it is. You know, I actually say to my clients, just go and sit for two minutes or just have yeah. a little bit of silence at, you know, a particular point, collect your thoughts, just calm the day because the day might you know, be running away with you. Yeah, exactly. And if you had told me, if you told me that this is the kind of person I'd be or that this is what I'd be talking about, you know, five years ago, anybody that knew me would probably have laughed and said never, right? Like never, because I was the on the go, on the go, always person. I am still a perfectionist, but I was a perfectionist to a umpteenth degree that was pretty detrimental, uh, you know, and was just, I pride myself on like, and I pride myself on not sleeping, on overworking, not always being on the go and not needing to slow down. And that was the life on like over-exercising and being able to do, you know, a pr- crazy workouts. And so those types of things, even on the way I ate, which was severely disordered, you know, people around you that see that also compliment you for those types of things. Mm-hmm. And so when you get complimented for those types of things, you start to wear it as a badge of honor. Mm-hmm. And we don't realize how detrimental they really are to the way we live and are to our health. That is so true. When did that start for you, Tally? This kind of over-obsessing about many areas in your day-to-day life? Probably always. I mean, I was always like this in school when I was a kid. I always... My mom always said, I never had to tell you to do your homework. You just always did. Like even in college, you know, when I, I went out and I had so flight and I think, but I always knew when I had to come back and do my stuff and my work. And, you know, and I just, I think it's something that happens to you when you're a kid based on your childhood, based on things that people have told you, based on the things that people put on you and the way you see the world and the way the world comes at you. It is, you know, there's people pleasers, there's overachievers, depending on how your childhood is shaped. It really is like, for me, I was, I needed a sense of control environment. I needed to control my environment because my environment as a child wasn't controlled. I think. And so that, that was because were you, Did you move a lot when you were a child? Was that it or? There was a lot of trauma in my childhood, divorce. There was a lot of mental health issues in my family. So there was a lot of, you know, just 
the ed- atmosphere was a lot of traumatic atmosphere and dramatic atmosphere. The so only thing, you know, it's that, it's that, what, it's that thing, isn't it, about you can't control your external forces, so control the internal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've just said that on the surface, you were doing really well to everybody because you were doing your homework on time and you were coming home on time and, you know, you weren't rebelling perhaps or, you know, doing crazy stuff that teenagers do. But underneath it all, you are striving for this perfection. Yes. And underneath it all, we know that if we do that, we'll get, we'll burn out. Yeah. I mean, it took me way longer than I think sometimes. Sometimes it can take us years to burn out. Sometimes it can take us weeks. Sometimes it can take us days or months. Whatever happens, eventually we burn out. For me, the burnout, it took so long that my body just, it gave up completely. Okay. And so we can do that over and over and over again for like, for people that end up burning out week after week by Friday. You know, I had a client once that, you know, on Mondays they power through, Tuesdays they power through, by Fridays they just cancel everything and they're done, right? That constant cycle of burning out and burning out, that all or nothing constant cycle, that's unhealthy because your cortisol is going up and down, your body's going up and down and you never figure out how to set a balance for yourself. And so there's that consistency. What we think of consistency is like constantly doing the same thing over and over again or needing to always be doing something. I thought I had consistency. I was always working out, right? I never missed a day. So in my head, that was consistency. But it's really not because eventually I burned out. And for years, I wasn't really able to do much of anything where I had to like totally change everything about what I was doing. So my body was completely depleted. Or for people who think consistency, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, but then Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, you're doing absolutely nothing, right? Like the consistency, what we don't think of is actually a balance. We have to find some sort of balance. You know, I'd wake up in the morning and I'd work out for two hours, this insane, crazy hit, drenched in sweat workout. And then for the rest of the day, nothing. I didn't move at all. So that's not really a balance either. Yeah. You know, and I think that's one of the key things. This, weren't we, where we had our little intro call and I said about yoga and, and yes. Pilates and, you know, you said, I still find them difficult because I'm not really sweating or something like that. Like you, you like them, but me and you had that thing about as I've got older and you've got older, we've realized that we don't need to be, you know, attacking the treadmill yeah. or attacking the pavements, putting lots of pressure and stress on our joints kind to find the balance and to ease off because I know that if I go on the treadmill and do let's say interval training where I am hammering it for three minutes and then off for 30 whatever I know that I've I've just risen my cortisol levels they've rocketed so my stress levels when I come off have rocketed so I've not really put myself in a great place really to start the day because I'm already completely stressed out is that right? Yeah, not to mention my knees are probably going to hurt for the rest of the day. Technically, yeah. yeah. Is that, I think that they are from the right place there. Yeah, for sure. I think for for a lot of people, they think there's paint or intense cardio, and then they think there's yoga. And so they don't realize that there's all of this exercise and workouts in between those. And I I love Pilates and I do yoga, but it's it's not my favorite thing to do. But that doesn't mean because you don't, there's yoga people who don't love hit and there's hit yeah. people who don't love yoga, but that doesn't mean there's, those are the only two. Those are again, extremes, right? There's so much in between. And I still have to reel myself back. I go for walks. I walk now instead of running. 
but I have to remember that I don't have to walk seven miles and I don't have to walk at a 14 minute pace. I can just walk and it's okay. I don't have to drag my dogs to say we have to walk faster. You know, I I can just enjoy the walk. And so there's always something that's going to be pushing you and driving you in your head for that like push, push, push. But we have to just constantly remember to reel it back in. And sometimes it's good to push and sometimes it's good to remember when we need to reel our bodies and our minds back in. And the key is balance, isn't it? You know, and 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 move more in your day. It's move more. Small changes that we forget about. So rather than taking the lift, just take the stairs and yep. you know do some squats while you're making a cup of tea. My exactly. advisor, she actually did her hamstring in a couple of months ago, and I said, to her, "How'd you do that?" And she's she's older, you know, she's in like her late sixties. And I said, "How did you do that?" And she said. Well, I do squats when I'm brushing my teeth and I did the leg, you know, and I just thought I was amazing. But any little opportunity, move a little. Yep. I dance while I'm brushing my teeth. I take steps and do jumping jacks while I'm, or, you know, while I'm waiting for the microwave to beep. I'm always moving. If my dog is laying on the grass instead of walking, I'm stepping. I look like a moron. People are watching me from the street and I'm just standing there going like this and people are looking at me while my dog is laying in the grass. You know, I always try and move my body around, you know, and then I know that when I'm laying on the couch and watching TV at night, that that's cool too, you know, because my body needs that rest. But I, it's better to, I had to, you know, first, when I first got my Apple watch, I had to remind myself, I don't have to hit all my goals first thing in the morning. Oh, absolutely the same. I was obsessed with getting like every ring for those with Apple watches. Yeah, these rings and for every ring to, you know, overlap, obsessed. And if my, say my move ring, it was, you know, maybe just a little bit off, I'd literally go out and walk around the block and keep walking around the block till it, you know, and that was not good for anxiety, not good for my mental health. And then I realized that it was just ridiculous. Yeah, I was the exact same way. And it took a long period of time off from needing to close every ring every day. Yeah. And now I'm now in back to doing it. And I'll tell you why it's different for me now. Okay. Because I wasn't able to do it for about, you know, nine months to a year or so. In the last nine months or two a year, I had my symptoms got really, really bad. And I was there was no consistency to anything I was doing because one day I'd be fine. In the next three days I could barely walk up stairs. My legs would hurt so bad and I would be out of breath. Is that and because you've been overdoing it or? That was the, it was just the endometriosis had started to take its toll. Yeah. Okay. The flare up started and I was just not out completely. And every symptom started to trigger another symptom, started to trigger another symptom. So now when that I'm feeling strong again, I don't overdo it the way I did when yeah. I was the exact same way. It would be like 9.30 and be like, I have to, I have to. I'm going to yeah. run around in circles. Like a, like a weirdo, person. like in the dark and it's freezing cold outside and then yeah. trying to walk it's, around the block. What for? Now it's like, okay, now I feel like I've had for the first time in a year, I think I've had like three or four weeks of perfect rings every week. Mm. And for me, it's like, now I'm getting my strength back. I'm getting my consistency back. I've lowered my goals. So it's a little bit more. Yeah. I was just going to say, how do you know it's not going to go back that way, but you've lowered your goals. So 
your lower. expectation of yourself is a little lower. And I've done the same with mine, actually, because it was unatt- unobtainable what I was yeah. doing for myself. And I was only setting myself up to fail. And then, yeah. of course, I'd be miserable. And then, of course, I could spiral. You know, yes. it just wasn't conducive. That brings me to like, that brings us to such a great point of mm-hmm. acceptance. Because if you, don't, yourself. if you don't accept where you are in life, whether it's your life circumstances, I've got a bunch of kids, I got a full-time job, I've got all these things going on. I can't run like I, I can't run and trade for marathons like I used to. I can't work out for two hours a day like I used to, whatever. Well, I can't prepare meals like I used to, or my body is sick and tired and I can't do the workouts like I used to, and I can't do these things. Whatever is going on, if you don't accept where your body and your life is right now, then you're going to set these unattainable goals and you're always going to fail. Instead of managing mm-hmm. your goals and setting reasonable expectations and setting something that's achievable. And therefore you're starting to feel good about yourself and you start to feel better and you build momentum and confidence and motivation and you keep going. And then you get stronger and maybe then you get better at it. It becomes easier and you figure out more and more ways to do it. Yeah. It's amazing that you've had that awareness, you know, that you were someone who's so restrictive that you've had that awareness now to change it all around. And then what's wonderful is you're using your experiences a little bit like myself to help others. Let's go to the food. You said that Mm. you also really restricted your food intake. What did that look like, Tally? Oh, God. I counted every almond and I would come to work with my friend now saying I've never seen anything like it. I would come to work with a block of just seven almonds. For the whole I, day. I mean, I would have, that would be like my seven. Right. Seven um, almonds. Two, seven. seven. Mm-hmm. I would measure out every single thing I ate. I never, ever indulged in anything that anybody was eating. People would order food or they would go out to lunch and I would just sit there with them. I never did. I... I went through periods of binge eating disorder. And then, so I I definitely always had some sort of binge eating disorder from the time I was young without ever realizing it until I was much older. And then when food became such a big sensitive issue with the endometriosis, it causes a lot of food sensitivities and it causes a lot of blow and a lot of inflammation in your stomach. So when I started to, and they tell you to try all these diets and all these elimination things. And when I started to cut out certain foods because it was bothering me, I started to cut out everything, everything, everything. And it just started to pick away every single food. And then I became so hyper afraid of everything that I became what they call orthorexic. And most orthorexic people are like, they're obsessed with clean eating. Orthorexic, orthorexic. Yeah, yeah, so around clean eating. Right. For me, it was like I became afraid of eating any food because I was afraid that it was going to cause some sort of flare-up. Even though I was having flare-ups every day regardless, I was just, every single thing around me was unshelfy to me. I mean, everything. I didn't have sauces on anything. I didn't have dressing on anything. I didn't eat anything. I had like... And how long did this go on for? Years. Years, wow. And there was definitely moments where I would binge yep. alone in private. Secret. Uh, secret, for sure. Had my would you old purge, then? Would you purge? 
Well, my purging was around exercise. I would, so it was somebody, a psychiatrist actually recently had told me that I was also bulimic because I, my purging was around exercise. And I, I never you often think of, of being making yourself sick and things like that through food, don't you? Yes. So just explain what she meant by purging around exercise. So you make up for the food that you yeah. instead of purging it by vomiting, you purge by exercising. And I would I would go and I would have two hour hit workouts. I would have twelve mile runs like the night after something. I would also starve myself if I had. Her, if I had binged on something, I would then starve myself and over-exercise. The over-exercising was extreme. It's um, extreme. Because I think we've all tended to go, oh, I had such a big fatty meal last night, you know, so I'm just going to go easy tomorrow. You know, and you may, I mean, you, you may reduce what you're eating or, you know, you, you perhaps may, may be more conscious. But I think for you, Tally, what it is, is the extremes. Yeah. It's the extremes. Is that that's and I hope that no one... Thing. Yeah, I hope no one does any of that. You know, I think we, yeah. we, there's eating disorders and then there's disordered eating. And I do work with a lot of clients who have, I think we all have disordered eating habits. Yeah. We have Definitely those women and, and men. Yeah, and men. Yeah. And we all have that in our head. And so we do have to kind of break free from all of that thinking. But when I'm conscious of being a mom, you know, and I'm, I mean, I'm a mom to, mom yeah. to a son, but I'm conscious of saying things like, oh, no, mommy can't have chocolate or no, mommy doesn't eat. You know, I try to show him a balance and I try um, to avoid any words like diet in the house or stuff like that. Cause you know, I just, I just don't want him to look at food as the enemy because he's a, he's a big eater and he does eat. He's got a great appetite, which I'm proud, which I'm, I'm pleased about, yeah, you know, but good. I want him to have that healthy relationship with food, you know, yeah. and it's a really good point there. We've got eating disorders and you've got disordered eating. Yeah. You know, and the word diet and weight loss and management is, is bandied around everywhere, isn't it? Yeah. Even healthy. I read an article mm. that was talking about almond moms and things. That, I don't know if you know the term almond mom. It's become a little well, bit. Well, to me because is it Gigi, is it the supermodel's mom? So, yeah. It's yeah. like, yeah. And so yeah. it's, it was like this article around things that you don't even realize you might be saying that are negative and even terming that even giving things phrases as healthy and unhealthy mm. where you would usually so i even try not to do things that are talk about things as healthy versus unhealthy any label of food that we put we put it's putting judgment on a food and therefore that judgment from the food is also judgment on ourselves whether we eat it or don't and even would we feel guilty for eating something unhealthy or bad or thinking something we shouldn't have? We also then feel superior for eating something healthy. And yeah. the halo goes on. Yeah. And how many people told me, oh my God, you eat so healthy. Oh my God, you have so much willpower. And so to me, in my head, that was like, well, I have to keep this going. This is what everyone thinks of me. Just like when people tell you, oh, you look great when you've lost weight. You feel like you have to keep that up. And if you don't, people would just be disappointed. You'll feel like a failure. And so I thought if I eat cake or a burrito or a pizza in front of people, what would people think of me? Everyone thinks I'm so healthy. And so it became an issue. The starvation also became an issue. A lot of it was centered around my endometriosis because my thought, 
a lot of the excuse, let me say. There's excuses there, isn't there? I can't eat that because of my endometriosis. And I would get very bloated because of my endometriosis. Not just bloated, my stomach would distend and look like I was three months pregnant. And so I would say to myself, if I just don't eat for like a day or day and a half, my stomach will shrink. I won't be as hungry and I won't need to eat as much. And therefore I won't get as blood. My excuse was around the symptom I was feeling. Mm-hmm. And that was what I thought was driving it. But it really wasn't what was driving it. Again, it goes back. Eating disorders are all about control. It's not really about weight loss at all, mm-hmm. right? It's around the things we can control in our life. Yeah. Our mind. And so I definitely had a whole host of them come along. And I remember certain points when I recognized that I might have had an eating disorder and it, and it and it was weird to me because I didn't think there was anything really going on. I mean, maybe in the back of my head, I did know there was something wrong. I was definitely ashamed when I was eating on my own in private. It took me years to be able to- Like anything, if we deprive ourselves of anything, then generally that's what happens. Yes. So I want to binge, but I'm ashamed about it. So I'll go and do it in secret. A hundred percent. Anytime you deprive yourself of anything, I think about if you told your, I don't know how old your son is, but if he's become, if he's, when he's a teenager, if you told him not to do something, he's going to go out and do it, right? How can you tell me not to do something and I'll go out and do it? It's not, it's that desire. Like if you tell somebody not to think about something, if somebody tells you, I have a surprise for you, and, and like, I'm going to let you know at the end of the day, all you're going to think about for the rest of the day is that surprise. Mm-hmm. So if I tell you, you can't eat a donut, the rest of the day, what you're going to do is think about a donut, right? So if it's like, the, it, our minds were built this way. And yet all we do is deprive ourselves of food. And, and it's in our, for communi- it's in our communication with ourselves, isn't it? It's in our yes. language. Because you've also said to me that you feel like you also had like body dysmorphia. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You looked at yourself very differently. So when those people were saying to you, oh, Tally, you look great. You've lost so much weight. Yes. On the one hand, it's feeding into you, perhaps making you feel good. And it's all kind of worth it in that mindset. But also you couldn't see what they were seeing. You saw some. No, I could not see it at all. Even when I was at my thinnest, every time. It didn't matter how many people told me I looked good or how thin I got. I was a size zero at one point. I was a size two. And it didn't matter how thin I got. I still thought I looked a certain way. I remember like, I would think like, well, if I wear something that doesn't show that I'm thin, people won't know that I'm thin, right? If I don't wear something forbidding, if I wear something that's loose, people will think I'm hiding something, even though I was a size zero, right? Like it didn't matter. I still had this vision of myself. And I remember walking into a store and I was going jean shopping and I had to ask the woman for a size. And I and she said, are you, she, she came to me and said, are you a size two or a size four? And I was in shock that she looked at my body and that's what she saw. I was a size two at the time. But and that's your, in UK terms, I think it's four behind. So a two would be um, a six, a four is an eight. So UK, I, eight. Yeah, so very small, very, very small. I, I mean, gosh, a six. That she yeah. looked at me and thought that I was that small because in my head, yeah. even though I had that number in my hand and I had that number at home and I knew what the scale was, it didn't matter. I thought people looked at me and saw somebody much bigger. 
Wow. And it and it was so bizarre to me that somebody would look at me. Mm-hmm. You know, your friends tell you you look great and you think, oh, then have to. Your parents tell you and you think, oh, they have to. Some stranger looks at you and, is, and just makes an assumption that you're a small jean size. It was like this big shock to me. And so did you, you didn't see that as a compliment at the time? I, I did, but I still, but it didn't, it doesn't change how you see yourself. Like you have to do the work. And that's why I do the work with my clients that it's not about what size you are, what scale, the scale says. And because I never changed how I felt about myself and how I felt about food and my relationship to food. That scale kept going like this, right? Every it's, time. That's it. It's about how you are with yourself. And we've touched on it about kindness and acceptance and also yeah. compassion and also loving yourself. It's that idea of would you, and now I do hypnotherapy and I work a lot around, a client may come to me for weight loss. And when we're talking and, and in discussion, it's more about how do you love and respect yourself? You know, would you talk to your best friend the way you talk to yourself? Would you say to your best friend, you look really fat in that, you know, you look really ugly. Oh, you're so, you you know, you're so lazy. You're this, you're that. No. So again, it comes back to the the language aspect as well. And the whole idea of kindness and compassion and understanding your body and actually saying, you've done a really good job. You know, you've been, you, you, you know, you, you have endometriosis, you yeah. know, and your body's still going and uh, uh, women childbirth and women, you know, we go under all sorts of stresses on our physical health in our lives. So it's about acknowledging the good stuff, isn't it, as well? Yeah, I think that women are put, particularly when I think there's obviously issues with men in their bodies, things, but mm. with women, it's our value and our worth is placed so much on what our, what we look like mm-hmm. and what our bodies look like and how thin we are, especially if you grew up in the eighties, nineties, early two thousands, I think it was particularly difficult at that time. I mean, the diet craze and the, the, everything was particularly difficult around that time. But I think it's about finding value and worth in so many other areas of who you are and recognizing that the obsession that we have I remember sitting on vacation recently and sitting at the pool and I was so self-conscious because there was all the 20 somethings around in their bikinis. And I'm like, first of all, I'm not 20. Yeah. My body is not 20 and it's okay. Mm-hmm. And I can sit here and be so uncomfortable in my own skin and so compare, like compare myself to every single one and pick apart my body this whole time. And then in five years or even a year, be like, damn, that's how I spent my entire vacation. Or I can spend my vacation enjoying myself and relaxing the way I'm supposed to. And I just like, let it go. Because at the end of the day, that's not what is going to matter. And that's not how I want to spend my time. And so I I changed even my relationship to fitness a very, very long time ago, way before I ever fixed my relationship to food. Then gym was not a place I was going to lose weight because I used to think the beginning of my relationship with the gym was if I didn't go, I would, I would gain it. And that's how I would get the gym. If I didn't go, I would gain a pound. And eventually I changed that relationship with the gym to, I want to be strong. I want to be healthy. I want to see how many pushups I can do. I want to see how strong my body can get. And that 
turned into its own obsession. And I had to eventually tweak that too, right? I think that's the other thing we're always, we just have to tweak and adapt our health and our fitness to what's going on in our lives right now. Absolutely. But, but I, but that relationship that we have to ourselves, to our food, to our fitness, to our health has to, it has to come from a place of, like you said, it has to come from a place of compassion and it has to come from a place that we're valuable for other things than just what we look like. And that that's, it's a hard thing to do, but because I didn't ever change my body image or my relationship with food, when I gained back that weight, I felt even worse about myself, right? Which meant I felt even bigger of a failure, which meant my relationship with food wasn't healed. So I continued to go to food. I continued to use that crutch. It was this vicious cycle of constantly going back to that, which is yeah. not just bad for your mental health, but it is bad for your physical health to yeah. constantly yo-yo yeah, yourself, yeah. constantly have an unhealthy relationship with binge, right? Like that's a bad way to, it's a bad thing to do to your body as well. It caused a lot of digestive issues for me. I'll tell you that much. I can imagine. So I think that that's, the thing is that we keep waiting for this weight to drop and something to magically change our lives. And it's why I don't promote a weight loss transformation for my clients at all. But you know as well, it's, I think sometimes we put a lot of emphasis on if I do this, I'll be really happy. Or if mm-hmm. I do this, so it could be weight or it could be, you know, the gym or it could be a relationship. A relationship, yeah, or move into a different place or whatever. But you always think I'll be happy. And that rarely happens because it's the whole idea you're not working on yourself. And yeah. I know to some clients that can sound a little bit I don't know, wishy-washy to some, or they go, well, okay, Sarah, like, you know, well, what's all this about working on myself? You know, I'm fine. But once you start going into the depths of it, you know, that's when the magic happens. It's true. Yeah. It is really true. And it's, it, it's what I would have said to you five years ago. Oh, that sounds whatever, you know, I had thought, like we had talked about earlier, I had thought I had everything together. You know, if you looked at me, I was very successful. I had my life together. You know, everything, I had friends, I had everything kind of set. And I'd, I'd gone, I'd gone to therapy numerous times in my life. I thought I dealt with all my traumas and dealt with all my issues. I knew where, I was very self-aware. And then when I started to have time to sit with some of the things that were going on in my life that I had time, and one trauma kind of came back to me, all of them started to come back. And I was like, oh my God, I didn't actually deal with anything. I just swept them under the rock. Do you know, like, I was only talking about this to somebody this morning who's going to come on the podcast in a future episode. And he spoke about the pandemic, actually. And I think this might have been the case for a lot of people, you know, as you've just said, it was for you in the sense of you had time to sit with you. Yep. No distractions, no work, no busying yourself up with everything that's going on around you. You had to sit with you. Yep. And for many of us, that's uncomfortable. Very. So it's getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. And for me, that's where I believe, Tally, your aha moment truly came. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it's just like going to therapy. I mean, it gets, it starts out harder and it gets easier, right? Like mm-hmm. it gets worse before it gets better. I think and every single thing is gets worse before it gets better. You know, if you know you're on the right path, I think 
even when I was doing my endometriosis coaching and I had to take all these supplements and I had to do all these things, it gets the the symptoms get worse before they get better because that's what your body and mind are doing, right? Their body and mind are doing some hard work. And with that hard work comes some symptoms, right? Whether they're mind or body symptoms. And so I think people get very afraid of that and think, well, now I feel so much worse. So this isn't working. And they kind of abandon in that moment. But you kind of got to get the people saying, I'm not going to therapy. She'll just talk about my past and just make me upset. I don't want it, you know, not necessarily. And that's not always what you do anyway, but quite right. In, in, in many fields, even in business, when you're starting off a business, yes, painful in the beginning, very, very painful, <laughs> but you just keep, you keep going because you know, it will get better, you yeah. know? And, and yeah, that's like most, most things. Yeah. And I don't, and I think it when the things you don't address, the things you don't focus on, when you don't sit with yourself, when you don't pay attention to all these other things, they manifest whether you like them or not in other ways, right? And, yeah. and that's and that's the thing I think people don't really realize. They're they're coming at you regardless, but they're just coming at you in other ways. And it's just they're harder to manage that way because you don't know the source, you don't know where they're coming from. And sometimes you don't even know that they're happening. I didn't know that I had an eating disorder. I didn't know that I had an obsessive addiction to exercise, right? I didn't know I had all of these things going on. You know, I didn't know even the all or nothing approach, right? I was giving all of myself to diet and exercise, but I was giving none of myself to managing endometriosis. And so you think you're healthy in these spaces. Or your mindset. Or my mindset for that matter. Yeah, for sure. And again, you know, clients generally come to therapy or coaching or whatever it is, and they come and what ends up being the things that we talk about was not what they came for. Yeah, for sure. Not what they came for at all. You know, mm-hmm. if something comes up, which I think is why therapy and coaching are so good and so helpful. You know, I've had it myself. My own, I have my own therapy as well. And it's just so beneficial. And the coaching side as well in, in any area of life. I think we all could do with some support here and there. Everybody. Somebody Everybody. else's expertise, you know, show me the light. Yeah, exactly. So, Tally. You said earlier in the in, earlier in the conversation that you know ever since a child you've been very much that kind of you know get up and go girl, independent and always perhaps doing everything to the max. How do you make sure that you're keeping yourself balanced now? Do you, what yeah, tools or strategies do you put in place now? I I do. It's a great question because I definitely have to because it can seep back in any time, right? And so I do a lot of, I, I do a lot of breath work. I do, and I make sure I have a set of like healthy habits that I keep. And so I have, I have an app that I use for my clients that I also made myself my own client. And one of the things that I do is I make sure I don't put too many things on one day. So, um, yeah. And so I kind of spread it out, right? Like, I use castor oil packs. I do dry brushing. I do a journaling, right? I do breast girths. Castor oil. Yeah. Oh, castor um, oil. Yeah. Castor oil. Sorry. Castor oil packs. What yeah. do you use that for? It's for, I do, I do it for inflammation. I do it for endometriosis. It reduces pain. It? No, I do it. I put it on my stomach. Oh, like a massage it in. Yeah. yeah I massage it into my stomach and put a towel in my stomach and I lay there for about an hour with it. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's really great that for that helps me. you. Yeah, pain, digestion, all those things. Yeah, it's a little tip for our listeners. 
I know, yeah, love that. I know that you could use it to help your eyelashes grow. I think that, oh, your eyebrows. That's the, yeah, apparently so. I think it's one of those miracle things and you can use for a lot of things. Yeah. It can help with inflammation. Yeah. For inflammation, for digestion, for reducing chronic pain, for pain. Just yeah, it helps with like liver. You could even use it for your liver. Wow. Okay. So you do that. Uh, I do that. Motivation. I do dry brushing for for my lymphatic system. I do mindset work. I do journaling. I do breath work. So I do, I wake up in the morning and I make sure that there's sunlight on my eyes, right? Like I do all these things, but I don't do every single thing every single day. Single day. <laughs> I make sure that there's a balance throughout. I make sure that I have a day. My Saturdays are kind of my, don't worry about it day, right? Like, Get up whenever you want, lay in bed as long as you want, do whatever you want. Don't do anything that you have to do or need to do. And I make sure that I'm moving, but that I'm not pushing. I make sure it took me a long time to figure out where my balance was for my own workouts based on the order energy. And so I've, I've tried and experimented and failed many times with that. And I think you have to get used to like kind of working within your own life important too isn't it because we're all different not yes. no you know no two are the same you know what might work for you might not yes. necessarily work for me but yes. it's working with yourself and trying different ways and seeing what does fit works and what doesn't yeah and how to make yourself remember those things you need to do how, like for me, I have to drink three to four bottles of water, three to four bottles, like 24 ounce bottles of water. It helps with literally everything, my energy, my digestion, everything. So I have to make sure I'm doing that and how I make sure I remind myself to do that. I have different ways, right? Like whatever, that's the one of the things that I help my clients do is I'm not going to sit here and tell you, you have to meditate for 15 minutes every day, right? Like, or even that you have to meditate, period. What if meditating doesn't work for you, right? Like, we all, you have to try and fail at different things. And I think that's one of the other things, like I said, once you try something, if it doesn't work, people just abandon shit, right? And they're just like, okay, that didn't work. Or I'm too tired or this, I didn't like this, you know? So they just kind of give up. Whereas we've to, you have to kind of play around and see what works. It's interesting you said about that, about not telling my client what to do, because I had a new client the other day and she came on to me and she said to me, the only thing we're talking about, how do you relax or how do you switch off? And she's, oh, Sarah, don't meditate. Tried, can't do it. As if I was going to you know, say to her, if she said, and then through the, the session, she did say to me, that, oh, she said, I love reading. And she l- reads uh, quite a lot of fiction. And I said to her, well, have you kind of thought about that's a form of meditation because you are immersing yourself into a different world. You're taking yourself out of your brain, your mind, as it were. And you're focusing on something else, you yeah. know, so you're not thinking, you're just immersed in that character or whatever it may yep. be. And she's like, oh yeah. So Tally, I think, you know, that's a really a good way to put it. Find something that's going to work for you. That is, I mean, if we're talking about that sense, you know, is that like a relax or a switch off mechanism, something that, you know, you enjoy that's going to help you not do anything, you know? Yeah. You know, if it's a walk, if it's just, you know, walk around the garden you know, yeah. outside a little bit of nature, you know, you can adapt things as well. Yeah. And I think yeah. the good part, like you said, about having a coach or there, 
they'll give you, right? Like, I think it's always helpful to have somebody hand you, here are some tools. Here are the days in the which you should try them. Here, try them for two minutes each, right? Like, these are the the variables that I want. Here are the tools that I want you to try. And that's that's what I think a coach is really good at doing is like forcing your hand a little bit and giving you the toolbox. And then you accountability because you will see your coach the week after or two weeks after and you can, you know, your coach will want to know how did you get on? You know, what did you find helpful? What didn't you? So it does give you that accountability. What I do love what you said though is you don't do them all in one day, your toolbox. I've I've done that in the past and it stressed me out. Oh no, I've not wrote in my gratitude journal this morning. Oh, I better go do it now. Or I've not done any meditation today. You know, that's counterproductive. Exactly. Yeah. I, know. I said last week, I was like, I didn't do anything for my health today. And my friend's like, actually, you slept in, you still did your workout, you drank your tea that you need to drink. Like you did all these things, but maybe you didn't do all of the other things that you want to, but you didn't do for things for your health. Like we just, that's, I have to keep reminding myself. And I think that's what a lot of the work on yourself, like I write things down. I have a tons of schedules. I'm a very organized person. And so I have, you know, an app here that has this reminder and a schedule here that is writer. But one of the things that I've learned to let go of is perfectionism in that space. So if I have things on my to-do list and I didn't get rid of them and I didn't do them, I'm okay with deleting them now. Whereas a few years ago, I wasn't. So that takes work too, right? Like there's, there's this trigger, but there's the practical tools and then there's the mindset of like yeah. being okay with not doing it all. And that's okay too. And it takes a lot of work because yeah. you know, you've conditioned yourself to think that way. Exactly. It's like bad habits, isn't it? For I mean, and, and it can be a bad habit. It is. Yeah, for sure. For your case to be one. So it's, it's about going back into, you know, oh, what do we say that, you know, the, the brain or your subconscious and changing that, but it takes time. Yeah. Patience. And something that we'll struggle with in the beginning. Yeah, for sure. It's same thing with food. I think that we all want the quick fix of the diet or even fitness. We all want the quick fix, right? But like it takes, think about how long it's taken you and how long you've been on this road to be where you are now, to be in a relationship you are with food, to have your body where it is right now. Like it's taken a long time. So it's going to take a little bit of time to undo that and to have that compassion and patience with yourself and the process and and food. I mean, the way that I keep balance with my food is that I keep whatever I want in the house and I don't deprive. The only thing I've deprived myself on at this point is gluten because I learned that it's a very, very, very big trigger for my endometriosis. And so I have very small steps learned to eliminate it from my diet, even though I give myself it like maybe once a month. Yeah, oh, but you can't take gluten. My cousin has Crohn's disease, and yeah. it's not it's not very good for her to have a gluten. So there are certain things that are best to remove or eliminate. Yes, other than medically, what, Tally, I think overall what we're talking about today essentially is lifestyle. Yes, and that lifestyle involves activity. It involves eating well. It involves connection. You know. It involves being kind to yourself and showing yeah. compassion and being kind to others. Yes. You know, and it involves balance. It involves finding a balance that works specifically for you and knowing that whatever it is 
that works for you is might not work. Like we are all so individual that there's no, there's no diet plan and workout plan and mindset plan that is going to work for you. That's going to work for me. That's going to work for the next 30 women. Like we are all very individual and we have to accept ourselves as individual and find that balance for ourselves. It's, I'm sure you have a program for your clients and I'm working on a new program for mine, but mm-hmm. it may be finished actually by the time this goes up, but it's about you know here's the program but we'll tailor it to you you know this is just the basics this is just the foundation let you know let's chat let's see how we go on and let's see what we can add into this or take out you know and I also think what's come up today a really important point just before we finish is the whole idea of comparison yes yeah it's true exactly yeah so Tally kind of probably going to put you on the spot here a little bit, but just as a, as a you know, a little bit of an outro, what's one takeaway that you would give to our listeners from, from this episode, these episodes? I, I do think, I think it's, I think it's being kind to yourself. I think compassion for yourself. I think we are so unbelievably hard on ourselves, especially as women, because that pressure is from it's coming from all avenues, all angles on us. And it's been coming at us for so long. We are expected to do it all. We are expected to be it all. I don't know if anybody's seen the Barbie movie yet, but there's that monologue in there that like, you're supposed to be too thin, but not thin enough. You're supposed to be beautiful, but not too beautiful. And you're supposed to be working, but you're supposed to be a mom. You're not supposed to be a stay-at-home mom, right? Like we're, there, there's just too many contradictions of what we are supposed to be. And so that pressure gets to us. So the more kindness and compassion we can give ourselves. And like you said, not comparing other to other people and also not comparing to ourselves, I would say, because that comparison to, oh, I used to be able to do Yeah, that's such a good point. The old me in those jeans. And I that acceptance comes in, being able to accept who you are now, even in the process of change. So I'd say from from that kindness compassion and acceptance in the process of change which is perfect for what this series is all about women certainly have major processes of change where our bodies will change you know emotions will change there's so much going on and it's sitting down understanding what's happening and being kind to yourself absolutely 100% well, Tally, thank you so much for your time today. It's been as insightful as ever. And I'm sure the listeners got so much value from that because I know I did. It was a joy to speak with you. I'll put your contact details in the show notes, Tally. So if our listeners would like to reach out to you, they can. Great, Sarah. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking to you as well. You too, Tally. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. And that's a wrap for this episode of Bouncing Back Stronger. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you found inspiration and valuable insights to help you bounce back stronger in your own life. I'd love to hear from you, so please feel free to share your thoughts, insights, or personal stories of resilience by reaching out to me via email or my social media channels in the show notes. I'll leave you with this. Resilience is a journey, and we're in this together. Farewell for now, bouncer backers. And I look forward to seeing you all next week for more like this.